Hey everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. Check this out. So I'm in my truck driving with my buddy, and we was heading up to the men's warehouse to fart in the suits, and he's listening to his phone. And I said, that sounds like Hermes Sadler. He said, it is Hermes Sadler. He's got a podcast called Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I said, Sadler and the Senator? He said, yeah, that's his good buddy, Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I said, well, what in the world? He didn't know this. I said, did you know? That Hermie Sadler was voted one of the 50 best-looking drivers in NASCAR? He said, I did not know that. I said, because it ain't true. <laughs> you never know, though. He never takes off his helmet. But I know one thing. This show, Leaning Right, Turning Left, is good. So pull up a chair right there by your phone, get yourself a cold beer, and give a listen right here to this week's episode of Leaning Right, Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I'll tell you what, I bet Michael Waltrip's even listening. He's always wanted to do something like that. Oh, Sadler, got another one over on Waltrip. Get her done! Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm a really right-wing conservative all the way through from Southside, Virginia. And I'm Hermie Sadler, and what did we just hear? I, 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 it boggles the mind, because everything I've been reading in the mail says a proven conservative, not moderate conservative from Virginia. That is actually a recording from... From a couple years back of your opponent, yeah. dug it up, found it, <laughs> and now it's our great intro after Larry the Cable Guy. How you doing, Herm? I'm doing Did you introduce yourself? That. Did you introduce yourself? I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left, but I'm not leaning left. And I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm, and I'm moderate. I'm, I'm leaning right, way far right than where your opponent is right now. Hermie, and, uh, and it looks like, you know, we're sitting here in one of the most beautiful sites in all the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're, we're at the top of the grandstands here at Richmond International Raceway, looking down upon these beautiful modifieds running in the Wheelan Modified Race here in Richmond on Friday night. It's a little overcast. Uh, but we're hoping, since we've got two cars in there, that we're going to do pretty well today. How about the weekend that we've got shaping up tonight's race at Richmond? You and I, Senator, have Ryan Newman and Bobby Labonte Man, driving awesome. our two open-wheel modifies tonight at Richmond. And tomorrow night, over to the famed South Boston Speedway for the Smart Modified Tour race at South Boston tomorrow night. What a great weekend. What a big-time racing weekend for the Commonwealth of Virginia, but a big weekend for Saddle Stanley Racing. But before we get to some of that, I've got to go back to that intro. Yeah. Just for a moment. Wasn't that amazing? I never heard that before, did I? I sent that to you the other night. Oh, I guess you did hear it before. That's where I got it. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and you like, no way. I played it 19 times. You said no way. Yeah. Because let's be honest. And it kept getting funnier every time I played it. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I think Delegate Brewer, um, she wasn't really anticipating having a, a challenge for this uh, Republican nomination for the 17th Senate District, had she not had a challenge, she probably could have just waltzed right into the general election sure. and probably wouldn't have had to try to reclassify herself as a way right-wing conservative. Um, a true Republican. A true, a Republican. true conservative. And, but now that she does have a nomination contest opponent, 
she has been constantly through text, email, social media, everything, been trying to tell everybody how conservative she is. Well, and that recording says something a little <laughs> different, my man. So the thing is, it's like, you know, with politicians, don't listen to what I tell you. Listen to what she says about herself. Well, what is the old adage? Believe them the first time they tell you who they are. I think that's probably going to uh, be the way this recording is. But I, I'm to understand there's a lot more of this stuff out there. And I think, you know, that's what the electorate needs to hear. Your, we've got a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. Some exciting uh, developments in in your primary. Oh, primary. With primary. the court case that we were talking about last week, we can talk about that. But before we get there, there is one guy that I know is more conservative than Delegate Brewer. He's our swear bearer. He's... Shep Miles. Welcome, Shep. What's going on? I'm actually sitting on the right of both of y'all today. You know, when I hear that and intro. That's not often. When I hear that intro, I've got one word. Comes to my mind. Bull. Really? Here we go. I'll just $25 say Another $25 yeah, right off swear the bat. bears right out of the gate. I mean, you know, when you get, this is what the problem is. You, we're going to talk about the court case in just a little while, but you have uh, politicians that are just not true to themselves or true to the constituents. And this is what you come up with. And I'm sure you probably didn't have to dig very hard to find this. No, that's a lot. Um, one of the first things I learned and when I started this process of getting into politics was the opposition research uh, term that I learned. And so there, there is a lot more where that came from, not only as it relates to her overall uh, feelings, or how she legislates or how she thinks, but her comments and the way she's voted on certain things related to uh, the Second Amendment, related to climate change. Skill games. You know, skill games, uh, siding with out-of-state out special interest, the robotics programs at Franklin. Yes. Um, she Climate um, change. Yeah, climate change. I mean, it's just a lot of things. And so now that we know, which we'll get to in a moment, now that we know we're going to be lining up for a, a primary yeah. as our audience that we're trying to reach through my campaign grows from a convention style approach to a primary style approach. A lot more people are going to be learning a lot more about the truth about uh, my opponent in this primary. And Senator, you've been through this before. Why do politicians feel like they have to portray themselves as something that they're not? If she wants to be a moderate Republican, fine then be a moderate Republican. But as Hermie says, don't email, don't text, don't do all the mailers is the only, I think the term true conservative or phrase she uses. She, 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 she true conservative. She, she, um, well, she tries to use the fact that she's been in the house of delegates. Sure. For four Attested years. Tested conservative. Yeah. She's only proven battle tested conservative is how she markets herself. And, but, the bottom line is, as we've researched and as what she said about herself, she she's especially as we were heading towards a convention, she sure. thought she felt like she really had to move way far to the right, because Bill knows better than I do. As I'm learning as I go, the the people that typically show up and vote in conventions are the most conservative of the of the pack. And they are. And the ones yeah. that actually vote in primaries are more conservative as well. I mean, you, you don't have a lot of moderates participating in the nomination process. And in this case, what you have is, quite frankly, something that, that I just played on my phone that contradicts what is going on in mailers. And then if that happens, let's just say generic candidate 
is doing this, says, I'm a, I'm a rib rock conservative. And then, then there's a recording that sounds like this. Then they have to explain themselves. So what's the explanation? The explanation is, well, since 2016, I've matured. I've gotten better. But the problem is, is if that was the only thing you ever said, then it makes sense. But if right. you're making anti-Second Amendment, you know, uh, anti-pro-gun statements, if you're making statements that sound more like a liberal, uh, then quite frankly, maturing doesn't seem to actually have occurred. What has happened is I'm taking advantage of the electorate, the voter, to make sure that they have short-term memories so I can remold myself because all I really care about is not really representing them. That generic, that generic candidate cares about being elected and getting just the getting, power and being called senator. Getting yeah. I saw this on someone's Facebook page the other day. It says uh, Emily Brewer's voting record with the caucus 57% of the time, other 43% of the time. Well, I can tell you that uh, caucus in the House of Delegates, and that's a House of Delegates, a Republican yeah. caucus, is a very conservative caucus. So those are issues that I think the voter needs to know about. They need to know about you too, Herm. Yeah. So hopefully you haven't said anything stupid like what we just heard in the opening <laughs> here after uh, after well, Larry that's the Cable the whole thing. Guy. Hey, look, and you know what I, I mean, did. look, Larry the Cable Guy sounds more brilliant and politically conservative than Emily Brewer did when I played that for you when you we know, started this podcast. The, the, the real thing that, one of the things that frustrated me to the point of deciding to jump in and run is that many politicians, not you, Senator. Thank you. Many politicians. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be a crappy statement. Yeah, so many yeah, politicians don't legislate like they campaign. They say certain things oh, right. to get votes or get donations or to get people on their side. You know, good, bad, right or wrong, Emily can make up whatever she wants, say whatever she wants. She can try to make me be whatever she wants me to be. But the, the difference is she's actually got a record and she's got a voting record. And, right. and, and she's got these things like this she said uh, about herself. And those are things that, um, you know, she has to explain and answer, for. and answer for, you know, as well. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, as you know, and those that have listened to the podcast, if you haven't listened to the podcast, we've been talking about, of course, Hermie over the past year. We He got involved in politics at the grassroots level, trying to save small businesses, fight for them. It has evolved into him running for Senate. First campaign journey. he's ever run. What a journey. And, and he's got an opponent. And then what we saw was is that shenanigans, if you listen to the podcasts that we had that were entitled Shenanigans, the state party and some people at the top of the pyramid, the political pyramid, started putting their started putting their thumb on the scale and trying to rig the nomination process to try to ensure that Hermie Sadler's opponent won. However, uh, and it's and you have to listen to it uh, so I don't have to repeat all of this. The uh, they went so far even as to dissolve the Suffolk Republican Committee, I think unjustly, so that they could take control of the Legislative District Committee for Senate District 17, so they could control the nominating process, change it. Uh, from a primary to a uh, convention because they thought they had a better shot that that I think they believe that they can't win a primary. And so uh, so what we have now was, as we talked last week, Don Jones filed a lawsuit against Virginia Department of Elections, alleging that the governor's office, the attorney general's office made Susan Beals, the head of the SBE, the commissioner, change a writ and order that ordered a primary and withdraw it in favor of a convention that went to court in the city of Richmond circuit court last week. Hermie, you were not the plaintiff. Uh, Don Jones was the plaintiff, but you filed an amicus curiae brief, a friend of the court brief. We wrote one up demonstrating exactly what the costs were and how the changes affected candidates. When you go from 
a convention to a primary back to a convention and and how much money that that costs any campaign, including your opponents. We filed that. Tony Troy, my law partner, a former attorney general of the Commonwealth of Virginia, went in there and argued it with Rick Boyer. Uh, Rick filed an excellent brief. I thought they did an excellent job. And the judge said, I'll give you a ruling by Wednesday. This past Wednesday, it's now Friday, two days ago. Uh, the And you'd be amazed, uh, Herm. The attorney general who represented the, the state board of election was none other than one of the attorney generals who represents uh, the governor and ABC in your successful um, lawsuit regarding skill games. Yep. Believe it or not. He said that uh, Don Jones that was, the fact. Yeah, Don Jones, and he parroted Rich Anderson, the chairman of the RPV's statement that Don Jones was a low-level rogue off official of the Republican a low Party level of Virginia. Party official that went rogue. Yeah. Right. And then they said, well, she doesn't have standing. And standing, of course, we've talked about before, is whether you have suffered an injury, have a sufficient in interest in a case that the outcome would affect your standing and your ability. Nope. She, the court first found that she had standing. That was the important thing is that she had standing to bring this lawsuit. They tried to dismiss it saying Dawn Jones couldn't bring this lawsuit against the Commonwealth of Virginia. Their second argument was that that the, the Commonwealth of Virginia was cloaked in sovereign immunity, that somehow the actions by the governor's office, the AG's office, to change the method of nomination in Senate District 17 was protected by sovereign immunity. And for those that don't know, sovereign immunity uh, protects the government from being sued because otherwise the government would be sued all the time. But the court found that in actions of mandamus, and if this was a ministerial act, then they're not protected by sovereign immunity because the code of Virginia mandates that the commissioner file a writ issuing a primary for Senate district 17, if it is probably pro properly before her. And so that was the issue before the court. Shep, you wanted to say something? Well, my question is, were they saying she didn't have standing because they had said they had removed her as the chairperson? Uh, that was one reason. The other reason is she was not really suffering an injury, but the court said she's an interested party. Anything, the action that was gotcha. taken by the State Board of Elections was contrary to an action taken by her and her apparent and legitimate chairmanship duties of the Legislative District Committee of 17, of Senate District 17. Go ahead. So, uh, so the court then released a letter of opinion, uh, actually a really well-thought-out letter of opinion. After finding... Uh, that it had standing, it went through the protocols of whether Don Jones filed a proper form, had the authority to do so, did it lawfully, and therefore compelled the State Board of Election to, uh, to absolutely make sure that a primary was issued for Senate District 17. I just want to, and, and when it did the analysis, and I want to read part of this to you. It granted mandamus. It ordered the State Board of Elections to order a primary for Senate District 17. And uh, I'm trying, I'm looking through this on my phone, and of course, when I came up here today at this suite, um, this is the quote that I love the most in this, in this letter of opinion. And bear with me as I read it, squinting all the way at my phone. The court said, this court finds that the Commonwealth's attempt to present the myriad of interparty uh, politics obfuscates the actual issue presented to the court, which, if proper notice was given, was such notice honored by the State Board of Elections. The court finds that plaintiff, that's Don Jones, as the duly appointed chair of the 17th Senate District, LDC, was entitled by her position to, get, uh, to give notice to the SBE that Senate District 17 was to determine its nomination by primary. The court finds that in failing to order a primary for Senate District 17, 
the State Board of Elections and the commissioner violated their ministerial duty requiring them to order such primary. And so what they did was Rick Boyer had asked for on behalf of Don Jones for an injunction. She denied the injunction because she don't need an injunction when mandamus, mandamus is, is the equitable powers of the court ordering the government to do something. And so by issuing an order of mandamus requiring the primary to be held in Senate District 17 and that the State Board of Elections hold that primary, uh, this matter came to a conclusion. And it looks like to me that they're not going to appeal it. But uh, we were happy because Tony Troy got to argue a lot of the case with Rick Boyer. Uh, Rick Boyer, the, the attorney and friend of mine I've known for a while, did a fantastic job. And from what I understand, uh, the government's not going to appeal this. So it looks to me that you are yeah. pretty much in a primary position. I understand maybe the uh, the Suffolk chair and the district chair are going to now try to remove Don Jones as legislative district chair from 17. Yeah, I've heard that. And that was part of the problem. They tried to establish that they had already removed her. But they did not do it properly. Well, in they this did. letter opinion, in this opinion, uh, the court says she is the proper chair. Yeah. It is not in dispute that yeah. she was the proper chairman at the time. That they she didn't follow the law the, the or the party plan. They didn't give her written notice with charges, give her time to respond. And they didn't they didn't they, they tried to. And I want to say two things. Uh, number one. I have never really cared as a candidate whether we were going to have a convention or a primary. Right. I've never thought that anybody other than the Don Joneses of the world should be the people deciding that, including the candidates. We should not be dictating that the LDC, those type people should. It was never to me because uh, when I thought it was a convention, we were working towards convention. You yeah. knew. Oh, I yeah. talked to you every night yeah. about strategy and things. Heck, you were knocking doors getting convention. Yeah, doors. correct. And so when it was switched to a, a primary, okay, boom, we're going down that road. So my concern, frustration, whatever word you want to use, was not that it was a convention or a primary. It was that all of these people that I did not feel, to use your word, should not have their thumb on the scale trying to manipulate this we're doing just that. So in in my view, I'll just break it down in layman's terms for how it was to me. My opponent, Dennis Free, who was the second congressional district chairman, even attorney general's office, governor's office, the Republican Party of Virginia, Rich right. Anderson, all these people, they huddled up and they called a play. And they ran a play. It all this stuff, Bill, did not happen well, by they got accident. Flag for personal foul. But I'm saying yeah, it did not yards, happen by accident. This whole thing was put together and planned in such a way that not only, and what people have to understand, not only did my opponent prefer a convention, she was working towards a convention with, by the way, a new chair in Suffolk named Steve Trent. That, by the way is a public supporter of my opponent and has donated to her campaign multiple times. So they did all this stuff with a plan. They called a play. They ran a play. They did all that. And to your point, fortunately, uh, they got called for a penalty and and I had to go back to the drawing board and and uh, the, the, the right side of things won. And you know, Hermie, we were talking about this before Bill got here. All of the lawyers, all of the so-called smart people 
are supposed to be over here in Richmond running the business of the Commonwealth. Yeah. They're supposed to be the smartest and the brightest of the best. And this is the best they can come up with. What? I mean, really, Bill, you're over here. Yeah. What is going on? Well, what's really going on? I mean, on? if you look right down the rostrum, it's not the best and the brightest. It's the most manipulative and the people that have money or know people who have money. And that can be, you know, it's if we if if intelligence was the only measure of whether you got elected to the Senate or the House, Bryce Reeves would never be there. Hey, they, Bryce Reeves, how are you? Be a who's My who coming man, in Bill here. Stanley, causing <laughs> trouble on the podcast. No doubt about it, folks. If you're listening to this podcast today, okay, the Stanley Group is going to win. That's They're going right. to win it all today. You? <laughs> how you doing, buddy? So we're sitting here now. Somebody's in this suite with better hair than you, Senator Stanley. Well, it, you know, I'd say, look, <laughs> it's, there was it's a tie. Outside. It's not better. He it's actually a has a comms director, too. And he, he does. He does. She is here, uh, but yeah, we're sitting on top. A message every time she speaks. We're sitting high atop the Richmond International Raceway. I'm having a fundraiser here, Sadler for uh, Sadler for Senate, Stanley for Senate. Uh, this is one of our fundraisers. So, so we're hearing people coming in, giving hugs, but we're doing a podcast at the same time. I mean, this is live motion. So you're not getting a hug either, Richard Hall. I mean, so, uh, and I don't know who invited uh, Bill Carrico. I didn't invite him. He wasn't on the list. I let him off. I figured he'd be okay. Oh, that's ridiculous. We're going to have to, so glad we're gonna have, to have somebody at the door guarding the door because all the food's going to be eaten and nobody's going to have anything good to eat. As long as we're not doing the weigh-in tonight because he's no, supposed no, to be we in don't charge have the of the scale. Weight. You guys are still doing that? I found your weight. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You you need I'm to get wearing on black that. for a reason. You need to get on that weight <laughs> challenge. Is black supposed to be slimming? A slimming color? I think so. I think it's supposed to be. But you, you know you guys are both losing to Bill, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that poor man suffered during session this last time, watching me eat grilled cheese, bacon grilled cheese sandwiches. My favorite sandwich. He I brought. was salivating the whole time, dripping from his lips. As I ate I, salad. Yeah, you ate yeah, salad. Salad. I, ate, I did not have one cookie. Thanks, bud. Feeling good. Feeling good. Stanley, that's what we'll I just want to make these guys pay, okay? so So anyway, so finish that up, though. You know, you got a primary. Yeah. Where does Sadler for Senate, Sadler for Virginia go from here? Well, as I said, for me, we were preparing for a convention. We changed gears, now preparing for a, a primary. And for us, you know, I'm learning as I go. I've, I've got a, a team of, but our our target group that we're targeting goes from 5,000 to 20,000. Yeah. So all the things we've been doing from phone calls and, and mailers to emails to me personally knocking doors and my team, our universe expands out to, to a point where we have more people we have to go see and, and talk to. Um, but I'm excited. You know, I, as I said before, I truly believe that the, the people like Don Jones with the LDCs, and what you a know, champion and, and she what, is. I mean, what a they fighter. Were, they were just talked to and talked about so condescendingly about, you know, Cal Brown said in the, in the, in something in the, in the, uh, in the trial that people like Don Jones are just the messenger. They don't have that authority. That's ridiculous. And, Low level. You know, I mean, and, and those people on the grassroots level type people, the, the committees, the, the Republican committees across the Commonwealth and the, the chairman and the LDCs, those are the type people, the, the people that love our state yep. and the people that give of their time and they volunteer and they get out and they knock doors and they do things because they love the conservative movement in the Commonwealth. And then when the narrative doesn't fit what the powerful people want, sometimes they get 
they get um, squashed. They get squashed, and yeah. that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Well, thank you, Don Jones, for standing up and fighting. And let me tell you, Hermie Sadler, you've won more in court than he ever won on this racetrack we're overlooking, right? Well, Ooh. I didn't need to be reminded of that. Okay, Ooh. I'm just saying. You're, you know, so you need to stick with that's me. Why, as I'm going to hit my vehicle. I'm going to hit my compliment. compliment. All right, but you know, so I've got Bryce Reeves here. He's yeah. my seatmate, senator, great senator. Now he came from the grassroots just like I yeah. did. We were unit chairman. Now we're state senators. We never lose. When you come from that area, you never lose what it was like to be a unit chairman and picked on. You, you never, you never. Thank you. That's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Suck that, Sadler. Look at that check. Wow. So, uh, Ten dollars. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's yeah. nice. So, that's so nice. Bryce, you know, what advice do you have for a first time candidate? You were a first time candidate when you ran for state Senate. What advice do you have for Hermie Sadler moving forward as he moves now forward into a primary? So first and foremost, uh, faith in God. Right. And I know Hermie had Amen. that. Right. Yeah. And uh, nothing moves without without uh, our Heavenly Father making it so. So uh, there's nothing. Hermie already has that. He's doing a great job. The, the second part of that is, uh, as you were alluding to, Bill, is don't forget where you came from. You know, people want public servants, but they want servant leadership. And Hermie, you, you exude that. You display that all the time with what you give back through your businesses to the community. And, you know, it's important. Uh, and the, the second thing I would tell you is, it's about direct voter contact. Yeah. Interaction with the, the folks that are going to, you're going to be. People have told me that many, nothing replaces the candidate going to the door or making yeah. the phone calls yeah. to raise money or anything yeah. else. Right. And because you're the candidate, everybody yeah. else can speak for you yep. and about you, but they want to meet you. And I think, you know, you've come up in an industry that people want to have a personal relationship with every driver, yeah. with every team owner. Uh, and so you figured that out sort of where the rubber meets the road. It's yep. no different than racing or anything else. And it's about, you know, uh, building those relationships and you've got those in the community. And I think you're going to excel uh, as you move forward. As you said earlier in the podcast, you were talking about switching gears. I think you've gone from about fourth gear over to fifth gear. And yeah. while you have a bigger universe, you're going to be able to reach more people. That's right. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is uh, if if you like what Hermie Sadler's doing, if you believe he's the right candidate and he speaks for you, he can't run on no gas. And, and you know, the biggest thing is we're having a huge turnover in the General Assembly. But in the state Senate alone, the top eight, top nine people are not coming back. You know, you and I are going into single digits on our license plates. They give us license plates based on our seniority. I started out as 40 probably be about seven or eight if I'm, if I'm given the privilege of representing right, nine, the seven district. Ten. Yeah. Not, I'm and, right after you, I think. And I just got a Democrat opponent announced against me today. Uh, but, but, you know, it, we're going to need a Hermie Sadler in the Senate like never before. Somebody has that experience, that, in, that business experience, knows how to balance the budget, writes the front of the checks and the back of the checks, knows the differences in ways that our liberal friends from Northern Virginia have never owned a business, never run a business. We need that good common sense. Plus, we need to have somebody who's going to be standing tall for Southside Virginia. And, I, and I'm telling you, uh, he's my friend, but we need guys like Hermie Sadler in the Senate. We don't endorse here at the Leaning Right and Turning Left with the uh, Sadler and the Senator podcast, but, but we talk about his campaign. But we need somebody who's not going to be so consumed with power or wanting to have the name senator in front of their real name, their God-given name. They want to get in there and get something done and protect the people that they represent. No, that's, that's exact. Bill, you're 100% right. You know, if we could give away our titles just to do the job without having to do all the other muck, 
love to do it. And you're right. You and I are small business owners. Hermie's been a business owner. We understand what it's like to put away estimated quarterly taxes yeah. and where do you pull money from and what do you cut to get those estimated taxes in there yeah. and payroll and And this hiring is mission critical, people. too, because you know the liberals from Northern Virginia are going to be so radical. The ones that are replacing oh, the, the ones that the are ones coming in for 20, a, 25 years. It's bad. It's a whole new world. Hey, I want, I'm I want, going to shake hang a couple on, hands I want, and get I want, a beer. I want to ask yeah. a question while, before you go. Sure. Because I want both of y'all's advice. Okay. Because this has been posed to me. Because obviously so far in my campaign, I've been fighting battles that I didn't realize I was going to be fighting with people that I didn't realize I was going to be fighting. So after the ruling from the judge came down from Donald Jones's case, we realized it was going to be a primary and this, that, and the other. One of my people called me and said, Hermie, you're going to have to pick up the phone and call Rich Anderson and talk to him. And I said, well, I want to talk to Rich Anderson because... We need to unite as a party. Sure. We need to get everybody on the same page, row in the same way. I said, but I really think Rich Anderson ought to call me rather than me call Rich Anderson. <laughs> and that goes from my background. I feel like, like you know, in other words, go back to the racetrack. If somebody intentionally crashed me on the racetrack on Saturday, he should be the one on Monday morning to make a phone call but, to but me Hermie. to start the but conversation. Makes sense, but, but you're Hermie. the bigger man. What does the Bible say about that? Well, yep, yep. All right. Well, while we're at this confession, I'm gonna go shake hands. I'll be right back. He's a good man. He'll listen. Yeah. And it makes you the better man, right? Well, I might, I might. You got to clear that. the air and you got to get going because yeah. my point is, I understand the importance of water under the bridge and moving on from wherever he may this have been. Is like prior nothing to this. you've ever experienced, you know, because so. you're gonna look. Churchill said. Uh, if you make enemies good, you've done something. Yeah. So you've done something now already without even being in elected office. You've already made some waves and that's yeah. okay, right? Yeah. Because you're doing the right thing for the right reason and you can never tire of that. But but in the same breath, uh, you know, I'll just speak from my own experience. Yeah. Jill Vogan and I had a, a huge separation, mm -hmm. huge from what, you know, happened to us and happened to me from her camp and what they did and put out and all those things. And, you know, we've, we've made up yeah. and, and, you know, it's just one of those things. And I think, you know, if you reach out to Rich, I can guarantee you'll take your phone call yeah. and you guys just talk through it. I mean, and that stress and that pressure and that tension that you feel, the sooner you do it, it goes away. And yeah. look, if it doesn't repair it, you've done the right thing. Right. You've asked, even if you're not the one. I, I bring that up to say is obviously if I'm lucky enough to, and I'm a long way from this, but if I'm lucky enough to be successful in a primary and be the Republican nominee, I want and need the support of the party. And, you know, I don't know exactly what all the steps are to, you know, to, to get to that point, because right now I'll be honest with you, they all lined up against me right. in this process. So, so they've already told me, by what they said and by more importantly what they've done that they prefer my opponent. So that's the part that I that's the part that I don't necessarily agree with as much as I think they should be open minded and welcoming to anybody who is willing to step up and try to serve the Commonwealth and be fair and impartial through the process until the people choose who they want to be the nominee. And in this case uh, people within the party and the higher ups didn't do that. Well, here, here's how I take it, Hermie, and you've been in racing a long time. Yeah. Right? It's it's the same equivalent to sports. Really. I mean, 
hundred percent. You just run your race. And I will tell you at the end of the night, after the primary date's over, the best candidate will win. Yeah. And yeah, I go along with that. Yep. And and you just and have look, to run can, your race. I can deal with it now. I'm not a not afraid to lose. Right. I was now that we know that it will be a primary, I will feel better if I'm not successful because the way it was headed with all the drama and I already knew what position everybody had and we were going to have a convention and people were going to be in charge of the convention that were supporters of my opponent that, you know, that, that just wasn't going to leave a good, sure. a good, a well, good now feeling the in my stomach. Open, there's that, more that, people that engaged. Is, but I shouldn't have had to go through that, but I understand. But any people always tell me, well, Hermie, welcome to politics. That's part of what politics is. But it doesn't have to be that way. But I told no, my wife, it doesn't have to I be told my way. wife a hundred times. I said, cause I get home, I'm sure you've had plenty of these days. You go work, you knock doors, you do all these things, you get wore out. And I get home at night, nine, ten o'clock, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Every night. But then I wake up the next morning, I got to go. That's I got I to gotta go. But I told my wife the other night, I said, even if having to push through all these obstacles, even if it doesn't help me, if it helps the next person like me that decides they want to stand up, step up, and try to serve and try to run, I put my family on hold, my businesses on hold, my life on hold, and I've had a lot of things thrown at me, you know, through this process already. So if I help set a precedent or make people realize that, make it a better, more welcoming proposition to people in the future, then I've still done something positive. And so well, the, if the, it was that, easy, anybody would do it yeah. and anybody could do it, but it yeah. takes still resolve because yeah. it's not an easy process. Yeah. <clears throat> Winston Churchill even said, I'd rather die a thousand, you know, I'd rather die once versus politics, uh, die a thousand deaths for each cut. Right. Yeah. And it's like that because each time you have to go through this, it's just grueling on your family. It's grueling on you. I know you're not sleeping much. Yeah. Like all these things are going through your head all the time. Not sleeping much, not sleeping right. any. Right. And so, you know, between looking at this, looking at these square, just like <laughs> yeah. and, and I get it and we all get it. But, but let me just tell you, keep the faith. And yeah. here's why. Because once you get in office and you're actually able to get some things done, some major things done, you know, uh, we both know Bill real well. He's done some major things. Yeah, he yeah. stood up for our kids. He's helped yeah. our schools. He saved, he saved countless dogs. I mean, you name it, there's a bunch of bills that Bill Stanley has gotten passed. Yeah. And, you know, I fixed foster care, got our gun rights back, take care of our veterans. And when you have one of your constituents where you solve one of their issues, uh, it's 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 a great feeling. Just one, just one, just yeah. one, right? And and you can't replace that, right? I've always said if you can change the life of one person, you can change a generation of a family. If you help them through some process or or getting, you know, I I could tell you a story right now about a young lady and her daughter, and actually right now they're going through rehab down in Virginia Beach, but her daughter got cancer about three and a half years ago. Came up to me in Wegmans, thought I was Congressman Dave Bratt, and was trying to get on Medicaid. Now, she was a Latino and on the left side of the aisle, okay, 100%. And she had gone to the Democrats to ask them to help her get through this process because, long story, she was abused. She was now separated. She was still married to this guy. He rang up all this debt. Every time she'd worked, she was a nurse. They'd garnish her old paycheck, so she couldn't. She didn't have a way to live, right? And so, but she needed to get Medicaid for her daughter because she didn't have any health insurance. 
the first available date, we got it done in like two days. The first date wow. that they took her to get new glasses, doctor found something. They took her to the hospital. They did a CAT scan. And that same day, they found out she had a six centimeter brain tumor. Okay. I happened to be in Richmond the following morning. They took her by ambulance to VCU, went up to the, uh, I, I don't remember what floor, but the children's unit. And she came around the corner and gave me a hug because I went to go visit with them. And she thanked me for saving her kid's life. And I'm like, I didn't save anybody's life. She goes, no. The doctor said if we didn't get this figured out and she didn't have that care, that Medicaid, to get the health care she needed, she'd be dead in six weeks. Now, wow. she just finished getting another uh, brain surgery to try to take out the scar tissue that was causing her to have all these uh, seizures. But she's cancer free. For three years now, she's been cancer-free, and so hopefully she goes through this rehab. And and that's just one story, Herman. That's just one story, right, of of being impacting people's lives, and you don't even know how you do it sometimes. Yeah. And so for you, knowing you're serving hard, this is where you need to be. Well, that's been the disappointing part for me is I simply – I have been blessed in my life in so many ways, and I really and truly wanted to or want to or feel like I can help people. And that's really and truly why I decided to jump into this uh, race. And so when other people, you know, don't realize that or think you have other motives or would rather have somebody else, you know, those kind of things uh, can be disappointing. But I want to hear about your race. You've, you've got, well, we, tell, um, tell me about your yeah, campaign. We have, we have a primary. Uh, it'll be May 6th. And um, yeah, why, so, why primaries? Your different day six hours, June twentieth. Yeah, but mine's run by the party. So like a have, canvas. It, it's a canvas. I got you. I got you. Right. Got you. So they call it a firehouse primary yeah, 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 canvas. Yeah. yeah. Um, party run, so we keep the the left out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the quickest way to get done and get get uh, going because get, get, get you going know, to business. Yeah. As the whip, along with Bill in the Senate, my job is to make sure that we all win the majority. Mm -hmm. Right. That's correct. That's sure. the most. Honestly, that's the most important thing to me is winning the majority back because if we're ever going to make the changes that we can make, now's the time. Got to vote. Well, we're not going to be guaranteed another governor in two years. And we have Yunkin who's there and we have the House. So if we can get the Senate, we can make some major changes. Yeah. Um, you know, both Bill and I have served in, in the majority and we've served in the minority. And I can tell you, it's a lot of work to be the leader and serve in, in the majority. But man, the things you can get done for the people in the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, and I, that's that's truly it. And, uh, you know, my opponent's from New York and he's a lifelong educator. He believes certain things that I totally disagree with. And uh, so, you know, if to con compare and contrast us is we're 180 degrees difference. And, um, you know, uh, we're running full speed, just what you're doing. What, every uh, night. what is how can people learn more about you or your campaign you can go to uh bricerees.com uh, there'll be stuff there uh you can donate on there everything everybody every candidate has a website where you can do that in fact tonight's the last day for the reporting period yep. of this section and so in fact somebody just gave bill a check i just thought i'm that. gonna endorse that check i'll split it with you I'll give you half. I'll take half. I guess it is to the company, right? It is. And it's, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. I get five dollars. You get five. I get five dollars. You get five dollars. We'll call tonight. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Bill will never miss it. But Bryce, um, on behalf of Bill, he's Bill is holding a fundraiser here tonight at the racetrack, and he's got so he actually just walked off the set and and handed a mic to you, which uh, I appreciate which you I can handle stepping yeah. up and, and being here. But uh, on behalf of uh, Bill and 
you know, my family. How do I get one of these high-speed sweatshirts here? How, how much do I got to get? Well, I've been doing for this for 12 months. ain't gotten one yet. That's so another I don't know thing. Where you tell you. Of my hats in. So next time I, I come do the podcast. <laughs> That's another thing Bill did. He hijacked the merch for me for the race team very early on last year because Bill had this idea that because we got Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman driving our cars. Right. He says, look, I'm going to take all that merch and I'm going to reorder stuff and me and Laura, his wife, we're going to come to the racetrack and set up merch tables and we're going to sell caps and T-shirts and hats and all that. We're going to make a fortune selling merch. <laughs> and so Bill, a fortune. He'll, he'll be, he, he won't be able to wait to he hear this when he, when, he, when he downloads it. But so he took all the merch from, from me and Emporia. I had the storage in a warehouse. He took all the merch home and him and Laura went through it and put it all in these buckets and barrels and priced it. And a year later, as we sit here, they have not brought any merch to the racetrack to sell yet. And mind you, not you, even to the fundraiser. So, huh? so they are all in these uh, bins at his house in the mountains. So, and son of the Hermes used to run in a souvenir shop through yeah. his NASCAR days. Got a building behind the old company. I think it's it souvenir all of it. and gifts. He was going to. We got it. He said we're going to take it all up there. We're going to sell it. We're going to do this. I said no problem. And by the way, you can keep all the profits. Take it. And um, so we've really struggled with merch. So we just need end. to drive to Bill's house with my pickup and a and trailer load and load it up. Load it up. Well, set up on behalf, on behalf of all Virginians, thank you for your service. Oh, please, I'd go back. Thank you for being up. such a great conservative for Virginians and all over the Commonwealth. Best of luck in your race and all the Virginians that are listening to this and your district, be sure to go out and vote in your primary. Next month, we got to have you. Virginia, he's calling on you. We got to have him up here to get some stuff done. This guy has an unbelievable story. If you go back and listen to the podcast that we had the full interview with you, it's an unbelievable story what you went through and how you served not only the Commonwealth, but our great nation. And thank you so much for your well, service. Well, I, I appreciate you it. You did a great like job of filling in and with. <laughs> No prep whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't need a lot of prep just to have a good time. And, you know, I, I Well, he speaks that. from the heart. When you don't, hey, when you speak from the heart, you don't have to prep. Well, you guys have a good time on this podcast. I, I've enjoyed my time. I've been wanting to come back, but I've got a few people you guys got to get on the podcast that maybe Bill doesn't know and some of that to get some more people on it. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the uh, rankings where you guys were and everything else. So it'll be interesting. So, all right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk race cars now. Yeah, the, we uh, the cars we are two, all covered now. We got two cars. We got a, look at a looks like a good day. A little to breezy. Yeah. A little breezy. Uh, we got Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman driving our two cars. Big weekend for us, Bryce, because we got the race tonight here at Richmond, and then tomorrow night the Smart Modified Tour, which is a southern right. version of this. Runs at South Boston Speedway. So you guys are moving. moving so we're, we're going to South Boston. Go back to South Boston. Pack up, go to South Boston, and we do it uh, two weekends. But I have of of all the things I'm most proud of of my 25 plus years of racing and doing TV for Fox Sports is the relationships and friendships, much like you guys do sure. with what y'all do in the, you know in your everyday life and in the general assembly. I got some great friends at the racetrack, so. For Bill and I to have a two-car team here at Richmond, a place that I raced so many times in my career, and to have Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman, who are both great friends of mine that I made over the years, two driving guys. cars for us, it's just really, really cool. Well, really listen, cool. all right, so let's talk a little bit about this track. I, I've been around this track once in a – in a. Uh, 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 
Tesla, right? Just because they did a Tesla track. Yeah. Wow. And, and these are tight turns, yeah. and we weren't supposed to go over 100, wink, wink, right? Uh, and the torque in those cars is incredible. But let's talk about the track itself. Let's talk about your cars a little bit, yeah. how they're set up, and yeah. and why you guys think you're in the place that where you can, you know, you've raced this track. Yeah. So tell well, a little bit of folks. Well, in full disclosure, I never raced an open-wheel modified here. Right. I raced, you Driving's know, driving, though, Hermie. Uh, well, no. No, it's not. Driving one of those things. <laughs> a little different. A little ground pounder. I mean, you stuff these things over in the corner and slam on the brakes. You got 800, your teeth, your teeth rattle 800 too, horsepower, though. and these cars only weigh 2,600 pounds. Yeah. And you got all this tire on them. The, the full-body stock cars is tires really narrow, and it's more about kind of finesse. These cars are just, you know, you hustle them. Um, but this is a cool racetrack, three-quarter mile. And, Bryce, it's got characteristics of not only a short track but also intermediate. Because if you come when you come off turn four here right. and come by the start finish line, it's a it's a D-shaped oval, we call it. Right. So you got a lot of room to let the car slide a little bit and give us give it a little bit of head and let it let it do its thing. And you carry a lot of speed into turn one. You you stay out late, way past the start finish line, take a late arc into turn one to carry as much speed. So you apex that corner right in the center of the corner. Now coming off turn two is tight. Right. That is more like a short track. Right. So Martinsville. Th- yeah, like a Martinsville. And I, and I, I and all disclosure, mm-hmm. I got to ride in a car in Martinsville in the pace car. Yeah. And I, I thought they were going to take the mirror off because we were so close to the wall. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. I thought I kept kind of leaning over to the driver because yeah. I was waiting to hit the, the yeah. side of it. So, so that, and so you can cut, I mean, it's coming off turn two, you can run too wide, but no more than too wide. And, and turn three is a little bit more of a difficult turn because you don't have that, that high bank that high, well you don't have all that room to make a long arc into the corner right you have to make a much flatter entry into the corner so your car really has to t- rotate better and turn better in the center of three and four because what happens with these cars and most people understand this but if you're if your car will not turn and, and in racing terms we call it tight right. if the front end of your car when you turn the front two tires when that car if that car slides the nose that's bad but what happens after the car slides the nose is once the front hooks, then the back yep. comes loose. Correct. So then you go to a push loose situation right. and you cannot have that because this is very much a momentum type racetrack with these cars. So uh, we only come here once a year. Like, so this is the NASCAR Wheeling modified tour. So we've got Richmond tonight. Later in the year, we go to Langley Speedway, Hampton, right. Virginia. And then we'll do Martinsville. Uh, with the with the NASCAR sanctioned version of these cars, and then with the Smart Tour, we've already had Lonesome Pine, but then we have South Boston tomorrow night. We go to Dominion Speedway up Spotsylvania sure. uh, later in the That's year. That's a good track. I, yeah, it's I great, hear, right? fast, right. fast. Steve Brett on Steve Brett's a great, yeah. great yeah. guy, wonderful great guy. guy, good friend, and uh, so Virginia is well represented with those racetracks. You know, um, when he used to, Steve used to have the track up in uh, uh, Prince William. Yep. Uh, when I went through the police academy, that's where we drove yeah. all of our driving and did mm-hmm. S turns and all of it. Tell me a little bit about for the listeners today who who maybe drive some souped up cars and everything else, but really what you experience as a driver. I've always wondered. You know, I watched uh, Ford versus Ferrari and and the exhaustion that these drivers went through and how they keep that focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a rather monotonous type environment i think after a while you kind of get droned into like going and how yeah. do you how do you do that well 
You can't tell by looking at me now, Bryce, but I used to be in shape. <laughs> you still look good to me, yeah. Army. I used to be in shape. You, you, got, one, you got a suntan, too. Yeah. I don't know where you get one that. One of the things that uh, I remember back in my racing days, of course, I, I ate better. I usually, from the time I was probably early 20s till to early 40s, you know, I weighed 170, 175 pounds. You'll get back there knocking doors, yeah. I promise you. Yeah. Knocking up yeah. doors, you'll, you'll get there. But another thing I used to do all the time, too, was... I had, a, I still have it today. I don't use it that much anymore, but I had a sauna in my house and I would always put the sauna about four nights a week and put it on 110 degrees, 115 degrees and sit in the sauna for 20, 30, 40 minutes Try at a time. Try to condition your body. Just to get used to the heat because these cars, not these modifies as much because they're open aired, but right. the, the NASCAR Cup Series cars and the right. Bush Grand National cars that I used to race back in the day, 130, 135 degrees would be nothing to be in those type temperatures for three, four, five hours. Right. And you got 2,000 degree header pipes underneath your seat. So you're feeling the warmth, are so, you? So, so the heat and the exhaustion w was the first thing that would would right. make you lose so, focus. So, t all right. So we're there. Tell me about your pre-drive. What do you do the night before? Do you drink plenty of fluids? Yeah. Eat a little pasta? That's what? a big, that's a big uh, misconception. You cannot hydrate. 30 minutes or an hour before the race. Correct, yeah. It's a four or five day. I used to tell my team's yeah. playing lacrosse in the middle of four summer. Four or five day process. Right. You cannot th drink a half a gallon of water, you know, the morning before the race and and think that you were going to. So back in those days, it was a real thing. It, it was a it was a process and, and um, we had certain things. Now, I, I would eat more things based on superstition than I would, you know, not the, 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 the water, the fluid part of it was one thing, but. You know, as far so, as the eating, it was it so was So my never, brother is a long-distance runner, yeah. 50, 100 miles, does those sort of things. He's done everything. Wow. And I asked him, what do you do in the race when you got to go to the bathroom? What do you guys do? I'm curious. Well, like, I've never heard. In like, 25 just, years just of racing, of I guess you just sweat it out. Right. But I will divulge here on the podcast. You see, Bryce, you can get things out of me that Bill never could. Right. In my 25 years of racing. Hey, if I'm winning, that don't matter. The only time I had to let it go was we had a red flag at Talladega. Right. Somebody, maybe even my brother, had got spun out, got up in the fence. Right. And flipped, said, make nine times. So we had a red flag with about eight or nine laps to go. And we were all on the front stretch. And at Talladega and the middle of the summer, you know, right. so I was sweating. Yeah. I would you lose water weight, 12 pounds, eight, 10, 12 yeah. pounds most every time. But we were sitting there under, under um, red flag conditions. And, you know, when you, when you're not actually racing, that's the only time you really think about it. Right. When I'm racing, I guess I could have to go really bad, but I just, just, goes I just through, don't think yeah. about sure. it. It's but, like men jumping and you out thought of about it, And I thought about it and I had to go, <laughs> but even still to go, I still had to, to loosen up my my belts, especially right. my my lap belts, and you know to to. But I went. But it felt you know. a lot better too, right? <laughs> but you know when the race is over, <laughs> when the race is over, and I've sweated ten pounds of sweat into a into a racing suit, right? It's already soaking wet anyway. I mean, what difference sure, does it make at that point? No, hey, but because my bus driver would always take them and throw them in a trash bag anyway and wrap them up and take them to the cleaners. Sure. So, all right, Hermie, I noticed a little different track than North Wilkesboro. Of course, we had a historic win with Ryan Newman yeah. on the wheel at their uh, race back in August. Does this compare at all to North Wilkesboro? I know it's a different shape, but... Well, and it's a, there's a little bit of moisture, too. Yeah. How does that well, affect... The, big, the, the biggest difference with this surface and North Wilkesboro surface is the North Wilkesboro surface is 30 years old, and they purposely 
to this point for the all-star race coming up in North Wilkesboro have done nothing to the track surface. They've done a lot of other renovations, but a old, worn-out, coarse racing surface, almost like a cheese grater, rips the rubber off the tires much quicker than a track like this. Makes sense. So tire wear, like you go to North Wilkesboro, the key to having good long-run speed is to take care of your car and not slide the tires early in a run to keep your rubber on the tires. Because you're right, Ryan Newman came back with maybe five laps left yeah. when he really he, he took saved. the lead. He saved. He saved, and you could tell. So you could, they he, couldn't catch you. You really, you really cannot burn your, your tires up in the first five, six laps after a restart at a place like North Wilkesboro. Here, although tire fall-off is somewhat considerable, you can be aggressive here because you've got a couple tire changes you can change. You can come pit, put tires on yep. if you want to. You can be more aggressive here. But I put North Wilkesboro, that type of surface, in to a place like Rockingham, Darlington, all of the old surfaces that actually you go on the racetrack to North Wilkesboro because Senator Stanley and I, while we were with there, the golf cart, well, with that we get out, we walked every morning too. Right, we get out and walk the surface, and you it was actual rocks. Grit, you know, grit yeah. on on that racetrack, and so so that, if you slide those down tires, it'll 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 tear the no, uh, rubber off. Of so we're seventh and tenth tonight. Yeah, what do you think our chances are? Well, we got good, experienced drivers, but the problem is these guys that run these modifieds do it every weekend. It's really hard to even with a talented driver like Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman. It's like playing golf. You can be a really good golfer. But if you play golf once a month and you go to the country club on Wednesday and play with the guy that plays every day, he's going to get you. nine times out of 10, he's going to beat your ass. Well, and I think so, probably there's, they probably bring a little bit of intimidation. Some of these guys are probably thrilled to be driving with sure. those guys, right? Sure. Because yeah, sure. it, they're well, celebrities. The great thing about Saddle Stanley Racing and having Ryan and Bobby, to your point, it brings another level of media attention. And that attention goes to the other drivers as well. Sure. And if somebody else is able to win I the know. race. Bill wanted me to put an ad on the car, and I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, well, we got well-known race car drivers yeah. now. Yeah. So Gives so, you instant legitimacy. Yeah, yeah. Instant of credibility. So it's uh, – but, but, but I'm proud that Bill and I are involved, you know, with Saddler Stanley Racing at a – this is grassroots-type racing. Absolutely. And so having our drivers out there and having our team out there gives – be great if we had know, some merch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't even give it away free just to build the brand. And, and Bill must have heard the... us talking because he came and grabbed that ten dollar check and carried yeah, it with him. Yeah. And you know, center yeah. to this track is where he ran his last race. Was it really? My last uh, Xfinity series. Xfinity race, yeah. series. Yeah. So something like happens to one of the drivers. You're the you're third, so you're on I deck. I cannot fit. The window opening, Bryce, is only twelve inches, and my fat ass don't fit in there. Anymore. Maybe fifth. It, we're going to do a I roof hatch. I'd have to have a porta power to get me in and out. <laughs> It'll be a roof hatch for Hermie. The car would be wrecked before I ever got into it. <laughs> Actually, Bill talked me into racing at Motor Mile last year in the Smart Tour race. And about halfway through the race, somebody broke a transmission. And you know enough about cars. Transmission grease has a whole different animal than oil on the track. That's right. Transmission it's grease is a off. problem. So we had a red flag. Thick is all get out. We had a red flag, and it took them an hour and a half to clean the track up. And I was the only guy 
that did not get out of my car during the red flag. Everybody else got out, got cold water, got a drink, couldn't. walked around, went to the bathroom. My guy's like, you want to get out? I said, nope. Hell no. It's embarrassing <laughs> enough to do it in the pits when nobody's watching. You think I'm going to try to get out of this car in front of the grandstands and hold my breath, try to get out, and then a few minutes later, try to get back That's in? That's a safety issue, right? I said, <laughs> <laughs> yes, more than that. I so, said, I'm going to just sit right here. So I t- I'll tell you the story. I got to ride in one of the cars uh, that was street legal Yeah. Uh, in uh, Wyoming. Oh, the, uh, the ride-along car. Yeah. yeah. And let me tell you something. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just that. that but I was well and good. Did he, did he go in a circle or just go straight? Uh, we did some tight turns. and we Because all we, the excitement, you know, when you're going straight, but when you when you start. Making sharp turns, that's another level of uh, G-forces yeah, and excitement. Yeah, throws you to the outside. And, then, and, and by the way, put 28 more knuckleheads out there with you. Yeah, it running went, four inches yeah, apart. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Pucker factor high. Zulu. Yeah, yeah so so let's get back to driving the car. Yeah. So so as you're driving and and it's, you've explained it's pretty rough, and I know what it feels like to drive on a highway in, in the cars that you're racing. The fatigue level of the drivers with the concentration, uh, I, I'm just amazed that they can keep it that way. And then, you know, they fly like the Blue Angels out there. Yeah. You guys fly around, yeah. and it's 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 those just the minor tweaks or, or minor catches. Well, they and that's better the be focused. And the G-force uh, for these cars is greater than what you'll see the rest of the weekend here at Richmond in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series because these cars are lower to the ground. They got big wide tires on them, much faster through the corners. They're lighter, right. lower to the ground. The cup cars and Xfinity cars are more top heavy. You you take the turn slower, and so the uh, the the G forces you'll have with these cars is much greater than the uh, you know than the uh, than the other cars. So. I, I see the guys going out on the track now. Are they just vacuuming? Are they vacuuming well, the track? What actually, we- no. It, I, and I can't really see through the window. Typically, they put those on the track when they've had a little bit of moisture moisture on the track. So they're so picking up the moisture. Th- those things uh, drive the track. Well, Hermie, I- I'm pleased to have somebody sit down that used to be my seatmate as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend on the podcast today uh, is uh, – Former Senator, I still call him Senator, Bill Carrico. Uh, he was a retired state policeman. I think Bill and I were the only two uh, police officers left when you left, and now I'm it. But, uh, you, know what I'm, you know what I learned from Bill Carrico when he was on our not podcast? Not to mess with him. Eight, you're safe. Nine, you're mine. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have to keep... Look, uh, it's leaning right and turning left with Sadler and Center. Doesn't mean it's the Bryce Reeves podcast. Oh, he's, just because I'm out he's there in. shaking hands. He's in. Really, I'm out? He's in. You've so you right. got two senators. Yeah. you got Billy Carrico. you got Bryce Reeves. Hey, my old, my out. seatmates both are replacing me. Yeah. Yeah. He's even holding on to the mic. You, 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 you go hey. back over in hobnob. I'm hobnob. <laughs> Sadler Stanley racing gear can be found in Bill Bill Stanley's garage. So if you'd like to get merch of Sadler Stanley racing, please go to Bryce Reeves.com. We'll we'll make sure you get the merch. I'll go to this house and I'll pull it out. Yeah. So when I was in the General Assembly, uh, we had so many bills killed 
that Bill Stanley, Bill Carrico, and Bill DeStep were the only three the governor couldn't kill that year. And right, that was Northam, we, we were that? the only. That's right. We were yeah. the only survivors. I know. Sit, sit, Bryce. Uh, I got more schmoozing to do, so I'm really happy about this. Just don't go over two hours, okay? I know you can do this. Now you're all hot. Hey, I, I've been asking about racing, learning about racing, learning about the cars. You know, like I, you know, some people. Aren't, can't buy a race team, right? So we can only observe and, you know, uh, getting the chance to come and hear one of the finest uh, racers we've ever had in NASCAR speak about tracks and what it takes. Who's and coming? I'm sure. Left, I, so I'm sure I could go to another suite, and they'd probably help me out. Sure you they know? would. Sure they would. Well, see, I I was at the uh, podcast when the uh, when the weight loss challenge came along, yeah, and I'm not I, weighing in tonight. Listen, I I pushed that along. It looks like I might uh, I might be a winner. Yeah, here. I need it's to a... join that team right now. I can <laughs> tell you, that's one thing, Hermie. When you get into the Senate, you spend a lot of hours in a stressful situation, and you're not moving much. It's gonna your Senate seat will be like a NASCAR <laughs> seat, and you're gonna be like waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you go back, you eat, and that right, Bill. I mean, the hot seat is where you eat. Well, you, I have a bad, have a bad habit 15. of uh, when I'm stressed, I eat. So. Uh, one year in the Senate, I'll look just like Shep Moss. Hey, look, Senator, I don't know if you know this or not, but we did this round two. Round two, right? We did a round two, and my charity is, is my foundation. And I think I got it. I think you do, I too. You about look... 11, 12 pounds. That's I think awesome. I got it. I, I know I know I've got I'm not finished lead 12 pounds. I, <laughs> I'm not Shep walked into Bill's office two weeks ago and says, I haven't been eating any fast food. I haven't done this. And he's eating. At McDonald's uh, chicken sandwich. <laughs> what else does he not provide any food? Yeah, he's, he likes to starve you. He's a, he's a lettuce eater. Yeah, Stanley yeah, will starve Y'all come over here to my apartment. We're going to record the podcast. I'm going to make y'all some soup. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Can't make it on soup. Yeah, hey, he likes winning more than he likes losing. Yeah, so. I haven't eaten, I haven't eaten uh, Stanley's cooking, but I've avoided that for some time. He's, cooking, so. he's trying to cook healthy now Well, because he wants to make a point. Uh, on the podcast. So, so how's uh, Bill, the races going? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've we only had two so far this year. Mother Nature's been winning more races than we have. Um, but we uh, we raced at uh, Florence, South Carolina. We had a race down at Caraway. Uh, this is our first, our team's first NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour race. We got, so we'll run about four NASCAR Wheeling races this year. We got tonight at Richmond. We'll also do Martinsville. We'll do Langley. Uh, later this year and then in North Wilkesboro and then we're running the full smart modified tour schedule including tomorrow night at South Boston so it's a big weekend of racing for us uh, we qualified both cars pretty good tonight and as I said earlier we got Ryan Newman and Bobby Labonte behind the wheel so we are hoping for a good safe night and hopefully uh, uh, come home with a checkered flag then I'll lose a little bit of weight because I'll be running down to victory lane well, uh, how about the other race, the race for the nomination? How's well, that have you heard anything about what's going on with all that? I have not. I, we, uh, well, I try to keep up a little bit as yeah. it goes along. Well, so. we just this past week, through a lawsuit. It's going to be a lifetime move. <laughs> for, uh, filed by Don Jones, the chairman of the Legislative District Committee. They just, the judge just ruled our our nomination contest, from a, moved it from a convention to a primary based on that's what it was originally. Right. And then it was changed and then judge made them change it back. So we just found out this week that we'll have a primary 
on June 20th. So we've shifted gears as a campaign and gone from preparing for a convention to preparing for a uh, a primary. So my team is hard at work changing gears and expanding the universe of people that we're talking to. But Bill, I have really tried to uh, enjoy the process. Right. I've met a lot of really nice people along the way. Not only people involved in politics, but uh, constituents, potential constituents and people that uh, I hope to be able to to help make their lives better and all that. So I've really worked hard, but I've really tried to do it in a way that I'm trying to enjoy the process. And that's the only way you can do it. If yeah. you don't enjoy it, it won't be uh, beneficial yeah. to you or your constituents so, because you... So instead of trying to get up in the morning and be, you know... You know, oh man, I got to go knock doors today. I get it with the attitude of, hey, I get to go knock doors, and I'm gonna meet some new people today. Right. And so, uh, I'm uh, that's how I'm approaching things. And so far, I've really enjoyed that part of it. And um, I think, I think there's an appetite, especially in our part of Virginia, to send somebody like me, uh, maybe with not as much political experience, but with a real. Um, passion for our area of South South Virginia and common sense. Well, well look, it, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, there are a lot of smart people in the general assembly and, but you've really, you've really, to me, our, our part of Virginia has been overlooked in so many ways by the people that have been representing us. And I hope to be somebody that can spend more time advocating for the things and bringing attention to the needs that we have in our part of Virginia. And that's what I'm focusing on. Well, I think in politics, you're going to find out what Webster's definition of a rep, uh, representative uh, should be is one that's most like the people. Yeah. So if you're going to any branch, whether it be the state government, local government or federal, you want someone who's most like the people and yeah. you learn through the process of knocking on doors, meeting them at conventions, whatever, yeah. uh, what these people's desires and what they are. They may be different from what you deal with, but you learn as you yeah. go through that process. And you become most like the people because of your ability to put yourself out there yeah. and learn What's their really, issues. One of the things that compelled me to run, Bill, that was really frustrating to me is not all, because I'm the, the vast majority of people that I know that are serving in the General Assembly are hardworking, good-hearted, well-intentioned people. Sure. Um, but there are some that don't always legislate like they campaign. Right. And we just can't afford that in our part of Virginia. Right. There's so much strength and power in Northern Virginia, as you well know even to the far, you know, far east, Hampton Roads. And our little part of Virginia just sometimes gets overlooked, don't get the attention. Uh, we don't advocate or maybe fight hard enough uh, for our area. And, you know, there's nothing more rewarding. And I, and I take this as a compliment, Bill. You, you, you've done this before, so you know. So, like, we've got people on my team that – volunteers and even people we pay to knock doors when I'm not with them they have a right at a 10% connect rate and by that I mean having 
a verbal interaction with somebody at the door and talk to them. When I go, it's 48%. Right. Because... They want to see the candidate. They want to see and plus, you. when I when they when even if they're reluctantly walking to the door, when somebody says, "Yeah, well," when I say, "Hey, I'm Hermie Sadler running for Senate," oh, you know, and and they they recognize my name if nothing right. else, and that gives me something to talk to them about outside, and then more times than not, I get invited inside, and so that's a a good thing too. But it, I have really enjoyed the long. And very sometimes emotional conversations that I've had with people that are looking for somebody to stand up and fight for them. And that's been that's been uh, the most rewarding part of what I've done so far is meeting these people, talking to them, getting to know them and and knowing that if I'm fortunate enough for the people to select me to go to Richmond to represent them, I get to really and truly stand up for and help. The people well, that otherwise don't have a voice. In, in today's society, you see too many campaigns that just want to win elections based on the amount of money they raise and, and the amount of brochures they send. People want to know real people. And yeah. you need to know real people right. to know what the real problems yeah. are. And so when you go out and you meet these individuals and you hear these stories, that gives you a fire in your belly to fight for them when you get there. Yeah. And that's the big difference. And I think if if you watch how legislators react when you're in the General Assembly, you can tell those that don't get outside of the box of just winning by mailer or TV yeah. ads. Those that go out and fight and meet their constituents constituents, whether it's your side of the aisle or not, right? they are the ones with the fire in the belly to come out and to and to take that fight to it. And I've even on the times when I've been out door knocking, you know, we have these like walk books, you know, right. these apps and stuff. I go up to somebody's house even if they've got a sign of my opponent sure. in the yard, I still go knock on the door. Sure. And I go talk to them. And I, got to. And I say, hey, I respect and understand uh, you know, that you uh, support my opponent. But if I'm lucky enough to to win this nomination, I'm going to need you to support me to win the, win the general election. And if I win, I'm going to support and represent the people that didn't support me in the primary as much as I do the ones that startled me from day one. So I hope to not only represent some people, but I hope through the course of this process, if, if I... If I'm able to advance past the primary, I'm gonna work hard to try to unite our 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 people as well because we're all gonna need it as conservatives in November. We have to have a big November, and for us to do that, we all have to at some point in time unite and and help each other. And I hope we get to that point. Well, I think in uh, this country today, we've got to find a way to where politics are not made personal. Right. And, and that's what you're talking about is, look, okay, you have your favorite. I get that. I understand that. But I'm running, and I could win this. And if I win, I want your support. I want to know what your problems are. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to you because you supported someone else. Because in the in the future, I want you to support me. Yeah. And I think if people realize that, if our whole country would get to this point, I think we would have a better chance when we get to the respective bodies to work things out. 
The problem is now we've divided it and said, no, I'm not working with you. I'm not working with you. And we get nothing done. That's right. And Senator, a lot of times that support may be based on where that constituent lives and where in right. relation to that candidate. They may be supporting Hermie because they live in Emporia. They may be supporting your opponent because they live in Isle of Wight and may not know you. Yeah. So that's you've got to knock on those doors. Well, in our area, too, and, you know, one thing we should be able to all to agree on is as a business owner and as a father – and trying to make people's lives better. You know, I've had to pick up the phone the last 15 years and try to call Senator Lucas, you know, and nice person, but her number one priority has not been Southside Virginia. It's been important. You know, it's been important it's because that's been her bread and butter. That's well, that's what she's had to focus look at on. Nation, look at yeah. national politics. Yeah. The focus is on New York, California. It's where the votes are. Right. They leave every... When you look at a map, every place in in the United States is red except for yeah. these population points. That's not the way our founders intended for that to be. They intended for everyone to have a voice in this. Yeah. And unfortunately, in politics today, they go to the population point, which I know you've got to have, but you can't leave everyone out. Yeah. And and that's what you're facing. Yeah. In your district, well, you've got... there. Like I said before, they... I think if one thing that's been consistent with the messaging that I've gotten back from the people in the 17th, the new 17th, is that we've we've got an opportunity sure. to put a conservative in as somebody that's going to pay attention to and advocate for 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 our area, and I, I think at the appropriate time everybody will unite to try to make that happen because it's been too long. Well, so, when you get there, don't don't be afraid to stand up and challenge it. Yeah. Uh, you guys, as Senator Stanley can tell you, there's few of us. You got to stand up and fight. That's you right. just, you well, may look, be I'm few. A different set of slings and arrows every day, it seems like, but that's all I've been doing is just wake up the next, wake up the next day and keep fighting. That's all we can do. You, you may be few, but you got to be furious. Well, look, let's switch Bill? gears for a minute. As you know, the General hey, Assembly man, just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Go and talk. This is Any nice. bills passed to, to help our law enforcement? Yeah, we had uh, we had a couple of bills. Uh, one that most people don't realize um, that was very important to the state police. Uh, in 2020, the bill passed that said you couldn't carry a gun when you were off duty to we talked about uh, on the state property. That changed, and um, the the General Assembly, both House and Senate, passed said that off-duty officers can carry their gun on state property if you're retired and got a federal firearms permit. That passed. There, there were se several things that passed about the uh, cancer presumption bill that covered our guys that are going in to clean up meth labs, fentanyl labs. Uh, that weren't covered under workers' comp if they were to get sick with cancer. Um, so that passed. And, and now we're just kind of waiting to see how the budget plays out. Because we're the, in our budget process in South Hill. Right. We just started this week. We had a work session Wednesday afternoon, and one of the departments we were talking about was our police department. And, you know, I'm just a huge supporter of our police department as well as state police. And we were talking about 
compensation competitiveness. Right. And I want to make sure, at least in South Hill, that not only we're we competitive, but we are the leader in our region because recruitment and retention, as you know, right now is probably at its hardest and maybe lowest. I remember in the podcast, I think you said you had just graduated one of the smallest classes. Right. 33, this year. I think it was. 33 troopers. Yeah. So anything with well, you mentioned budget do you know if compensation how that may line up so uh, in the budget there were several initiatives to do increases in the in the salaries 599 money which comes back to localities yes for those uh smaller departments uh one of the things that we're seeing right now and you you're gonna you're gonna notice this all through the state small and large is uh, living expenses. If you've not watched the housing market and the cost to build or buy a home has skyrocketed. Well, when you have a law enforcement officer that's making $28,000, $30,000 a year trying to support a family, but his rent is going to be eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars a can't month. Can't sustain it. He can't sustain it. Or a trooper that gets relocated, right? And that has to buy a home in a new area or a new region, I guess you would call it. Right. It's astronomical right now. It's amazing to watch how this market has gone, and you've got to wonder where it's going to plateau. But you've got to be able to keep a salary uh, equivalence to where they can afford to live. If they can't afford to live, they're not going to take this job. Right. They're going to go somewhere else. Or a different profession. Or a different profession. Absolutely. That's what most of them are doing. Um, you, you know, we've, we're looking at other alternatives, maybe working with developers or, or real estate companies to kind of give some preferential treatment to people that are being transferred into areas sure. so that they can know that there's some kind of housing out there that they can go to and in communities that are safe because there's no law enforcement officer want to go into a community where he's always working off a duty if it's a you can't send him in a crime uh, riddled neighborhood because he would never get any rest it would always be working so there's there's things that that are creating this void in law enforcement now we go back to the media. Unfortunately, the media hasn't slowed down on, you know, reporting things that happen sure. with law enforcement and just day after day after day, just staying on that issue. Bad things happen in every profession. So if you right were now it's just magnified, they magnify the when it's law enforcement. Well, now, look, I know Hermie did a, uh, donated to the foundation. I'm going to win this weight loss challenge. I'm going to get you some more That's money. That's great news. But how can our listeners donate to your organization and help our great men and women across the Commonwealth of State Police Office? So we're, our nonprofit is uh, is on our website, vspa.org. You can go to there. We, do, uh, we, we send out a letter each spring and fall asking for donations to uh, help our foundation and to help our uh, operational cost, and they can go to vspa.org. We have uh, as much as you want to donate, or we can do $11 a, a month, and it helps us to 
keep a uh, a pot of money that when some of these law enforcement we don't we don't just exclusively do it for state police. I was going to be my we question. We do it for everybody. If we see a need and we see a situation when a law enforcement officers involved in where we had one that's house burnt down, we we stepped in right then and started raising money and sent it. I think we sent them eleven thousand dollars. Wow. And we had one that had leukemia that was having to stay in Winston-Salem. We stepped in. We did a golf tournament. We raised $13,000. All these things go directly to those individuals. We don't get anything operational from that. We do it to help them. That's we, awesome. We've done it for, for me, our dispatchers, uh, sheriff's deputies, town police officers, and, you know, we want to evaluate that need because, like everything else, you know, you got people who will take advantage of situations. So we just ask for the information on on what this effect is on the family in order for us to determine how we, you know, give that donation. Did you see anything in the budget so far about COLA? Are you getting a feel for a percentage, maybe so 7 there- 8%? Yeah, there's there's a cola increase um, for VRS and for uh, hazardous duty pay. Uh, so hazardous duty pay right now is like twelve twenty two. That will re increase to fourteen hundred. And hazard duty pay is to the supplement between the age of fifty five. If you retire with twenty five years, fifty five years of service, right? Till you get to that Social Security age, and that. That only covers insurance, uh, and it usually don't cover the whole amount if you have a, a young family. Sure. So that will help a lot. Retirees will benefit some from the COLA raise through VRS. Then you got on the federal level. So VRS Security. just went from 16 to almost a little over 21%, didn't it? Yeah. So that's going to be huge yeah. for the law enforcement. I, well, all the, the work. All over, yeah. But it's also going to create some budget problems for localities, too. It I will. Mean, and, and, you know, that's the that's the whole thing with VRS. Um, you got to keep VRS where it's made whole, where the actuaries are paying. Right. Um, because you have so many people that are in that system. You got teachers, correctional, local, state, law enforcement. All, uh, VDOT, everybody that's in that system. So it's a huge system. But the investments have been really good. And uh, over the years, we've been good stewards. The The only thing is when you get to the General Assembly, you have to refrain from taking money from VRS to balance a budget. That happens. Not a slush fund. It's not a slush fund. And that happens occasionally. Um, well, that I know, would be like a locality using their water and sewer fund. To balance the general fund. Ask me. I know. It's been happening in South Hill for 20 years. We're stopping it this year. The the temptation to take it is always there because there's no restriction when you come to budgeting. It's really two separate entities. You You need to run it as two separate businesses. You really do. Well, look, uh, we're getting ready for race time here. Yep. Uh, We want to get around and speak to some of the guests in here. Bill, it's always good to see you. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us here on the podcast. As always, Shep, we appreciate our listeners, appreciate our supporters, and what a fun night. We got a it's a who's who here full of people. But this is leaning right and turning left with Sadler in the Senator.
NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. 